Good morning and welcome to our time of daily prayer and word, the daily word and prayer. This is Sunday morning, November 20. I keep saying November. This is Sunday morning, February 21st. I'm coming to you this morning from Gainesville, Florida, where we had a, we're down here and we had a men's retreat yesterday, a wonderful time. I'll be speaking today and um, I would ask your prayers because they've asked me to speak today in their church about LGBT issues in a series on radical relationships and loving people and so this will be my topic this morning and as you know that's somewhat controversial and uh, they've asked if i could speak on it and i'm i'm pleased to do so and it's a very very important issue you know uh, as we continue in first peter i'd like to read to you from chapter 3 and beginning with verse 13 and i've titled this morning's message how to win a religious argument every time and that's what you want to do if you're ever in a religious argument how to win every time and I'm gonna give you the secret here and uh, I hope you listen carefully let's read the passage first of all chapter 1st Peter chapter 3 beginning with verse 13 who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness you're blessed and do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks of you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence, and keep a good conscience, so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better... If God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right, rather than for doing what is wrong. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And so, as you know with me, my preaching method, if you've ever seen me, is I go out on campus, I declare the truth, and I'm willing to take questions. And often, my time on campus is several hours of back and forth, Q&A, debating the position, making an argument in favor of Christianity. By the way, you can make arguments without being uh, rude, highly emotional, getting angry. I think one reason someone asked me yesterday how I keep my cool when I when I debate with people, and part of it is a confidence that I've got the truth. I think sometimes we do get, we lack that gentleness, that reverence, we get emotional when we, we feel either we're not doing a good presentation or maybe they've, they've got us on something. We know we're right and we know we've got the answers and all this other stuff and somehow they've turned the argument to an area where we don't know how to answer and we feel upset about that because it's gotten off track. But back to what we talked about today, how to win every time. I think the way to win a religious argument is, first of all, by defining what a win looks like. I've got to give credit to my good friend, I've not seen him quite some time, but Ron Tucson, who pastors a church in the Orlando area. And he helped me understand years ago in evangelism what, what, uh, what a win looks like. A win doesn't always mean that the person you're talking to got converted. And this is where I think we become frustrated. 
because we think it's our job to convert people. And, it, and, and if we think it is our job or that we're the ones who actually do the converting of people and it's us who actually wins them to Christ, then one of two things can happen. If we succeed and they do convert and they do come to Christ, we are tempted to become proud and think that we did it. We saved the soul. Look what we did. And be proud of our efforts. On the other hand, if they don't respond well, if they don't re repent, they don't come to Christ, we're tempted to get discouraged and think that I failed in my responsibility. I failed in my job because they, because I, I talked to them and they didn't come to Christ. Folks, the way to win is to remind ourselves what victory, what, what is a win. Converting a person is God's job. And we've got to keep clear what is our job and what is God's job. I think our job comes down to four things. And if you do these four things, you will win every single time because you will have done your part. Number one, our job is to love people. That's our first responsibility is to love people, to value them, to respect them. To, to hold them in good regard, to, to care about them, to love them, and to treat them in a loving way. Number two, our job is to pray for people. And when we're engaged in spiritual conversations with people, when we see them coming up, pray ahead of time. And even in the midst of them, pray. You, you, you wouldn't, uh, in my life, many, 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 many times, when I'm evangelizing out on campus and preaching out on campus and someone's asked me a question or someone's debating me. And to be honest, I'm listening carefully, but I know what the question is because I've heard it before. And so I'm taking those moments while I'm listening to them to also be quietly in my heart saying, oh God, help me to answer well. Help me to do my part. Give me wisdom. Work in this person's life. Soften their heart. Help them to see. Help them to understand. And so our job is to pray before during our conversation as much as possible, and afterwards. Thirdly, our job is to present the truth. Our job is to present the truth. This is what Rome, uh, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 15 says, that we make a defense, make an argument, present the case for, for our hope, why we believe what we do. That's our job, to present the truth. It's not our job to convince them of the truth. We try to persuade them. We do our best to do a good job. We want to have excellence. We want to, we want to communicate well. But ultimately, it's not our job to change them. That's God's job. That's not something that you and I are able to do. That's God's job to change a person. We get frustrated when we think it's our job. When we think winning the argument means they've got to agree with me. No, to, for us, a win is when we do the four things I'm saying. We love people, we pray for them, we present the truth clearly, accurately, understandably, in a, in a way that is fair and right that they should be able to understand. And then fourth, here he says, who's to prove, uh, who, who's to, you know, if you're zealous for what is right, who's to, who's to, uh, how's the word, excuse me. Who's to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good and keep a good conscience? So in the very thing in which we are slandered for doing what's right, then our opponent will be put to shame 
one day. It may not be until the judgment. But they'll be put to shame because they will see that those of us who follow Christ, we were faithful. We did do what God called of us. We, we did our part. And their slandering of us or the rejection of us was an unfair thing. It was wrong on their part. And as scripture says, they will be put to shame. My friend, if you do those four things, and then you leave the results in God's hands, you won. Let's be really clear. We don't, our goal is not to win to make everyone have to agree with us. Certainly we hope they do. But for us, a win is when I love people, I pray for people, I faithfully declare, present the truth as well as possible. And then I, fourth, I live consistent in a, I, I live what I say. I'm not being hypocritical. I'm not telling them one thing and living the opposite. When I do those four things and I model that and I exhibit it, I've got that clear conscience. I'm living right. And they can see it. And they might want to slander me. They might want to reject me. They might reject what I say. But I, I won. You won. If we did those, that's what God requires. And that's where God says we won. They may walk away thinking they ran circles around us. They may walk away thinking they won the argument because we didn't persuade them. It's not our, that's not our goal. We can't change people. Remember the serenity prayer. God, give me the, the, the serenity or accept the things I cannot change. You, you cannot change other people. You can present truth to them. You can love them. You can pray for them. You can model the Christian life to them. But ultimately, once we do that, it's their decision in the hands of God. It's between them and God from then on. It's not up to you. You can't twist their arm. We cannot force conversions. We don't hold a knife to their throat, twist an arm behind their back. We present the truth, and then it's between them and God. We did our part. We won because we were faithful to what God required us to do. And in God's eyes, in God's eyes, you were a winner in that exchange of ideas, that exchange of information. You did your part, and you won. Again, if you think it's all on your shoulders to persuade them and they, they get them to all agree, you'll become proud if you, if you succeed. If you think it's all on your shoulders, you'll become discouraged if they don't change. But it's not on your shoulders. It's your shoulders to love them, pray for them, explain to them as best you can, and, and live consistent with what you say. And then it's between them and God. What they do with that truth, whether they respond to it, whether they humble themselves, whether they believe, that's between them and God. And that's where we leave it. Amen? So today we're going to pray for people. And I want you to, as we do pray, I want you to think of people that you have in your life that you're trying to persuade to Christ. You're trying to win to Christ. We'll also want to pray today for churches since this is a Sunday. And particularly, I thank you for, as I said earlier, I'll be speaking at Gator Christian Life, which meets on the campus of the University of Florida. I'll be speaking there this morning at 11 o'clock. And by the way, if you're in Florida, I'll be on the university campus Monday and Tuesday, Turlington Plaza, beginning at one o'clock. I usually start earlier in the day than that, but they have this really loud bell concert that from the bell tower that, that drowns you out from uh, 1230 to 1255. And so uh, it's, it's, it's hard to compete with that. So anyway, those are my next two days. So we'll pray now. Let's go together and cry out to God. Father, we bless you today. 
We thank you that we have the truth. Hallelujah. This is a wonderful, wonderful reality. We have been given the truths of God and we are your ambassadors and we are your spokesmen and you have given us the privilege and the opportunity of declaring to others the marvelous, marvelous message of faith in Jesus Christ. Father, we know ultimately it's our, we, we have clear responsibilities in how we relate to unbelievers. We are to love them. And Father, I pray that you give us grace, as we, even as we've been seeing in 1 Peter, even if we're mistreated, insulted, marginalized, canceled, whatever word we would use, that we would, be, we would respond with love towards those even who don't love us. We are to pray for them. Father, help us to be faithful. We think even this morning, we pray for people that we care about and we love, and we ask, Lord, if they're not seeing it, we ask you to open up blind eyes that they might see. Open up deaf ears that they might hear. Open up closed minds that they might understand. Open up hard hearts and closed hearts that they might believe the gospel. We pray, Father, for our persecutors. We pray, Lord, for those who dislike us. We don't what, we don't call down judgment upon them, Lord. We call down salvation. We ask you to show mercy upon them. We ask you, Lord, to save the lost. Lord, in our own families. Lord, in our neighborhoods, our workplace, our place of education, our school, our gym, our store, wherever we frequent, Lord. Our friends, Lord, people, we pray that you would open up blind eyes, deaf ears, closed minds, and hard hearts. We pray, Father, that people who are held captive by Satan to do his will, and, and they're just not seeing it, that you might have mercy upon them. Help them, Lord, to understand. Help them, Lord, to give, give them grace. Give them faith. Lord, people who tell us they just can't believe, I pray, give them faith. Lord, I pray, that people who, who have their excuses, I pray, tear down their speculations and false ideas raised up against you. Deliver them, Lord, from the deception and the hand of evil that they're held in and cause them to see the glory of Christ and the love of God and understand the gospel and to be saved, we pray. Lord, on our part, help us to also present the truth well. I pray, Father, that we would, uh, Lord, help us to be, become articulate in sharing the gospel message. Help us learn, learn, Lord, how to share our testimony. Help us learn how to share what you've done for us and what you've done for the world. Help us, Lord, know how to answer the questions they have or at least where to direct people to find answers. Lord, I pray that we would take the salvation of other people's souls seriously and we prepare ourselves to, to present them with the information necessary that they can make good decisions. And then, Lord, we pray that we would live consistent that, that we keep a good conscience, that in the very thing that, that uh, our opponents might slander us about, they would be put to shame when, when the reality is seen that, that actually Christ in us, you've made us good people. You've made us kind, generous, gracious, loving, serving. You've made us light and salt and that we would live like that and that people who accuse us otherwise, Lord, would indeed be put to shame when the truth is revealed. We pray for these things, Father. We ask for, we're asking for a great turning to you, a spiritual awakening and a mighty revival in our land. Use us in this, Father. Help us in this section from 1 Peter 3. Lord, shows us the part we can play. And I pray we would.
We pray our churches, Lord, today, even the churches this very day, would be aflame with the love of God, aflame with righteousness. They'd be places of, of praise and glory to God. They would lift up your praise, and they would be even the, the praise they lift up, Lord, would be having a it would lift us up. I pray, Lord, we'd be in churches. I pray our churches would once again start filling up. We're asking, Lord, we're asking for this. We pray our churches wouldn't be 80% empty. We pray, Lord, that this pandemic would be ending soon. Our churches would be filled up. The places of vibrant worship, praise, robust singing to our Lord from the heart that we would declare your praise and sing loudly to our God. And we pray, Father, that your praises would be, they would ascend to heaven and bring you glory and please you. We pray, Father, our churches would be equipping people and, and uh, preparing us to, to be servants of the Lord and to be effective witnesses for you. We pray for these things. I pray, Lord, today for the churches in Texas. I know they're, the Texas, we pray again, they're going through such unexpected calamity down there. We pray that the churches, the Christians, would you'd protect and watch over them. And we pray also, Lord, that they would be arising to really be a shining light of service and love and care in these difficult times. Lord, it all becomes political so quickly. And people want to blame politicians for, for the weather. And my goodness, Lord, it's like everything's political. Everything's a politician's fault. Lord, we, we, don't, we don't believe that. We pray, Father, that in the midst of these calamities, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a weather catastrophe, whether it's another sickness or economic, whatever it is, we'd realize, Lord, it just reminds us the world's broken, there are problems, and all of us are weak and in need of turning to our God for help, for strength, for comfort, for refuge. And you be our refuge, we pray, and help us draw many, many others to you as well. So we pray these things. We pray our churches today. Bless them, Lord. Fill our pastors with great unction, great power, great enthusiasm. Help their teachings, Lord, to touch our hearts and change our lives. We pray, Father, today. I pray for my message. I know it's a difficult topic, and I pray you'd help me have wisdom and, and truth and compassion and strength and Lord, that you would help the, the audience, help the, the congregation to really receive, to be good soil and receive the truth of your word today. And if it goes contrary to things they believed or heard or been taught in school, they would still honor the word of God above all else and they would receive your message. So we pray these things. We bless you with all of our heart. Thank you, Lord, for the people who joined this time. Encourage and strengthen us. For your glory, we pray. In Jesus' holy name, amen, 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 and amen. Okay, folks, thanks for joining me. If you are new, welcome. I'm glad you're with us. Make sure you hit the subscribe and notify button and also the like button down below. And also go to my website, tomthepreacher.com, where you can um, find out more about my ministry. Subscribe to my daily email, which I encourage you to do. And for those of us on here, let me also mention again our trip to Israel. Registration is now open for next year. It's going to be a great time. If you've ever thought of going to Israel, if you're tired of being locked down and all these things and not traveling and everything, I, I'm hoping we'll be fine by next year. 
and I'm hoping a trip to that we'll be able to travel internationally. I think we will be, and um, it's a wonderful trip, a life-changing time, and I hope some of you can join me on it. So God bless you, and we'll see you tomorrow morning right here, 8.30 a.m. on this channel. Help spread the word when you go to church today. Tell your friends uh, about this and encourage them to come join us. We all need the word of God every day and need to pray every day. So tell your friends about this time, and hopefully they'll join us as well. And we will see you tomorrow morning, 8.30 a.m. God bless you. Have a great day.